And welcome to the Opera Here podcast. This is Andrea Scobie and Arthur White with Detroit Opera. We are thrilled you have joined us today as we take a look at Detroit Opera's upcoming production of The Valkyries, a brand new treatment of the most famous act in Wagner's Die Valkyrie, uh, with Detroit Opera's own Yuval Sharon and Christine Gerke joining forces in this unique production, which zooms in on the drama of Act Three beginning with the unforgettable ride of the Valkyries and ending with the magic fire music, which puts Brunhilde in her deep sleep. In this daring high-tech production, performers will act in real time in front of a green screen, which simultaneously places them into a retro-futuristic digital world viewable in real time on giant immersive 20-foot screens. This combination of live performance and projected digital environment brings Wagner's fantastical world to vivid life as you've never seen it before. Arthur, I'm really excited to kick off the season with something so exciting, uh, something so new and different, um, and also the chance to experience part of the ring cycle as well, because we haven't often seen Wagner in Detroit, have we? You're exactly correct. I was going to say, you know, this production is coming uh, from a Hollywood Bowl, actually, where it premiered just a, a weeks ago uh, to great acclaim. So we're very excited this production is coming here. But you're right. Uh, the last time we really performed Wagner on the stage of the Detroit Opera House was The Flying Dutchman, I believe it was, uh, in season 2014-15. Uh, uh, and so this is very exciting to bring back Wagner. I think our first time we've actually brought any of the ring uh, to our stage. So this is uh, quite a first for us. So you've made a really important distinction, Arthur, by talking about presenting Wagner on the stage, um, because, of course, uh, our audiences may also remember that in October of 2020, during the pandemic, we presented a drive-through version of uh, Wagner's Gotterdammerung in the parking structure as a drive-through uh, immersive experience. So that's uh, number two, the second time we would have presented Wagner, and now we get uh, Act Three here in this new production of The Valkyries back on stage. As a matter of fact, that production, of course, starred uh, Christine Gerke, our own uh, associate artistic director here at Detroit Opera, who also happens to be the greatest Brunhilde on the stage today. So uh, it's going to be especially exciting to have her uh, on the stage in this production. Of course, that's in, that is absolutely right, Arthur, and we just have such incredible good fortune to be able to hear Christine uh, singing this role again here on the stage of the Opera House. Um, and I think also, you know, for folks who may not be very familiar with The Ring, I think that The Valkyries, this upcoming production, um, serves as a pretty good introduction to what the work is. This production clocks in at just about 90 minutes, so if anyone is intimidated by you know, the four to five hours you might expect when you come see a Wagner piece. This one is definitely shorter than that. Definitely. But this also kind of really, this is kind of one of the heart. Uh, this is really Brunhilde's epic journey really happens. Uh, her story really develops here until, of course, she comes at the end uh, where everything is just destroyed and the new world order has begun. Uh, but this is really the meat of Brunhilde's uh, time in this story. And so I'm very, very excited that we're doing at least the, the third act. Absolutely. Actually, Arthur, can you give us any setup of uh, just what audiences, um, you know, who may not be familiar with the ring might need to know coming into seeing this act three? Who are our characters? What has Brunhilde been experiencing to this point? 
Okay, so Die Valkyrie is actually the second of the four operas in the ring. Now, what's happened before we start in Die Valkyrie uh, is a, uh, some gold has been stolen from the Rhine Maidens in uh, Das Rheingold, the first opera, and has been fashioned into this ring. And he who possesses this ring uh, controls the world, basically, a, a complete power. So you can imagine everyone is trying to get their hands on this ring. And it's going from person to person, uh, a lot of, with, you know, a lot of jockeying and backstabbing, literally backstabbing, uh, to get this ring. Uh, and so Wotan is uh, the father of Brunhilde, uh, and he is trying to jockey to get this ring. He had it temporarily, but he lost it. Uh, he had to give it away, uh, but he's trying to get it back. And so uh, he's basically sort of scheming to get this ring back. Uh, and so his daughter uh, is one of the Valkyries. Now the Valkyries, their, their role, uh, you often see them in sort of um, uh, military-like garb uh, with their breastplates and that sort of thing and spears. Uh, it is their job to return the fallen heroes back to Valhalla, back to that hall. Uh, and so she has been instructed by her father, there's going to be a duel uh, between Zygmunt and Hunding. And so her father has instructed her to make sure that Siegfried loses this duel, but she disobeys him out of love for her sister, Zeglinda. And so she is stripped of her power uh, as a, a Valkyrie, uh, and she is made mortal, and then she's put into this deep uh, sleep uh, as the third act closes of the uh, second opera in the ring. Oh, well, thank you so much for that, Arthur. Some great context for uh, some who might be new uh, to seeing this story and to understanding what this story is. It sounds a little uh, Lord of the Ringsy for those of us who might be Tolkien fans. So, indeed, um, indeed. Lots, lots of similarities there with the Ring of Power. So, uh, yeah, it just makes me—it makes me want to revisit uh, that story series. Certainly, this is a myth that gets told and retold, um, and here we are at Detroit Opera retelling it again. Once again, yes, ma'am. So I want to move on. Today's podcast uh, offers something really special. Not long ago, Detroit Opera's artistic director and director of the Valkyries, Yuval Sharon, sat down with Detroit Opera's associate artistic director and this production's leading lady, Christine Gerke, to discuss all that goes into bringing this unique production to life. And we have pieces of that conversation here for you today. So please enjoy uh, this conversation between Yuval Sharon and Christine Gerke. Our production of the Valkyries takes the most famous act of uh, Wagner's Die Valkyrie and turns it into a retrofuturist video game in real time. Uh, so the audience is seeing both the finished digital composition and also the singers uh, in a green screen environment creating that video game. The same way that Wagner took a mythic landscape and also created music that felt like it was from a, a distant future yet to be realized. We're taking Wagner's music and also creating a digital environment that leans on vaporwave aesthetic and movies like Tron and Back to the Future, uh, all of this aesthetic that has this kind of retro vibe to it. So, Christine, so. we are just about to revisit a production that we did last month at the Hollywood Bowl, mm -hmm. which asked you to not just sing this incredibly beautiful but challenging uh, final act of uh, Die Valkyrie, mm -hmm but uh, also to move in kind of two planes at the same time, in this green screen digital world and simultaneously in, um, in, a, in a universe, video game kind of universe. What was, what was that like uh, for you now as you reflect back on it? <laughs> okay, reflecting back on it, um, I, I'm this side of it, and so I can say that it was unbelievably cool to be a part of this thing. In the beginning, you know, I'm always game. I come in ready to go. 
I had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> and it was one thing to understand and rehearse on a stage with green screen and rehearse with props that were green and men covered in green. There is so much green. There's a lot but, of green. <laughs> uh, what's cool about this is that we are doing the staging on a green set. We are dealing with as you call them the green ninjas, which is fantastic. <laughs> uh, but people helping us out and moving things around that are not visible to the video game world. Mm -hmm. For us, we are interacting with each other on a plane that seems completely realistic because people are right in front of us. And then we're also able to see ourselves in the grand scheme of this incredible landscape that's being created digitally. Mm. So the other side of this, it was an unbelievably cool experience. I couldn't have imagined that I would ever have an opportunity to do something like this. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how it transfers into the opera house here. Yeah, me too. I think it'll be great to hear it in this opera house mm -hmm. where it will be, you know, Hollywood Bowl, of course, was amazing in terms of the scale and the scope. But to be able to hear it with the acoustic, uh, the acoustic world of this theater, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to the fact that your live performance is, um, you know, it's going to be so front and center. Um, and that is, yeah. that's going to be, I, I really want the audience to feel like they go back and forth between you and Alan Held, who's playing Votan, and all the Valkyries, uh, that, that we watch you in this abstract kind of bare world of just a green, uh, just a green world. And then we look up and see the world you're actually in. Right. And that back and forth, I'm really excited about. Well, I'm excited about that, not just because it is a different animal here. And I mean, to say that 2,800 seats feels intimate, but in the grand scheme of the <laughs> Hollywood Bowl, it does. But there, there is an intimacy here where people can see people's faces on stage mm -hmm. and we can see people's faces in the audience. Yeah. That's something that's incredible for a performer. But there's also something to say about the way that Wagner put this together. The story, yes, it's about gods. Yes, it's mm -hmm. about, you know, Valkyries and flying, well, not, not horses this time, <laughs> but uh, you'll see. Um, but it, it's not just this fantastical thing. It is a really intimate look at a relationship that is falling apart mm. or coming of age. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. you and I have talked about this, talked about, you know, every child sees their parent that they have put on a pedestal at some point. Mm. They see them as human and fallible. And while perhaps Votan isn't human, he's certainly fallible. And yeah. That moment happens here. So to see that happen on the green screen, uh, that is bare and raw mm, and amazing. Mm, mm. But it's also fantastical watching it at the same time yeah. in another plane. Totally. And I think that's what I've always loved about Wagner is that it, it exists on so many planes anyway, right? Uh, it exists on the plane of that uh, unbelievable humanity between, uh, in this case, primarily the daughter and, and her father. Uh, but then there's all of this mythic background. Exactly. I mean, it's just so, uh, it's so expansive and so exciting. Um, and yet it, it's also on the micro level so incredible. Right. And I think that that's something that um, when uh, Valkyrie first opened in 1876, Wagner was really disappointed because he had in his mind- Huge ideas. Huge ideas, yeah. yeah. The, the Valkyries are gonna ride through the air on horses. You know, all of these things that theater couldn't quite accomplish. And in many ways, that was the starting point for this production was to say, okay, well, what would Wagner do if he had access to kind of a virtual reality kind of experience? Mm -hmm. uh, what would he do if he had a green screen? You right. know, so many of the things that he's imagining would actually be very, very easy uh, to, to, to realize, yeah. you know? And so that was, for me, one of the impetuses in, in 
creating this is to be able to to have both the emotional uh, immediacy um, that you and Alan are going to bring to this, but then to, and then in, in addition to that, have that fantasy, have that huge, enormous imagination that he brings right. to everything. And I mean, we we talked a little bit about this, and I mean, it, it's there's elements of this that are like super Tron leaning. And for the '80s <laughs> kid in me, I'm geeking out like crazy. It's so cool. So I mean, what what made you choose sort of that particular look for this? I'll say that we started from a position of kind of naturalism. Mm -hmm. You know, we were looking at natural mountains that we right. would, that we would find a, a big landscape almost like the Himalayas or something like that and I don't know it just did not feel different enough you know mm -hmm. it's like it needs to feel different from real life I think you know it does it shouldn't feel like our natural world replicated it needs to be something that is looking both in the future right and also looking back the way that the piece um, you know, the piece itself has this um, mythic dimension from the Velsungen uh, saga mm -hmm. uh, that the whole ring cycle, the Norse mythology that it's really drawn right. from. And yet the music, of course, was absolutely what Wagner called the music of the future, the artwork of the future, right? Something that's, that still feels futuristic. Right. Some of that music still sounds to me like, you know, and obviously Hollywood has used it a lot um, in science fiction and uh, exactly. <laughs> a lot of that kind of thing. Um, so it's got both of those elements in it. It's got this feeling like we've never seen anything like this before. This is cutting edge uh, technology. And yet there's also something kind of purposefully archaic about it. So trying to find that balance between uh, you know, I think that's why I keep calling it retrofuturist. You know, no, that's perfectly <laughs> to describe it. I mean, and what's cool about it is it really does allow you to look to the future. I keep talking about Back to the Future, <laughs> and I'm rolling into all of the '80s elements yes, today. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it is that kind of thing. You you have the opportunity to be forward thinking while still staying attached to the fact that. Yes, it's forward thinking. Yes, this is something that would be amazing if Wagner had this technology, mm -hmm. but it is also something that is still attached to the past in a way. Exactly, exactly. It's very cool. Well, and you know, I, I have to say that part of it, I'd love for the I'd love for the overall feeling of the production to be somewhat ambivalent about technology, actually, mm -hmm. which is, of course, it's this huge high tech project. Uh, we could never do it without the absolute latest and greatest cameras and software. I still don't totally understand the kind of black magic that is involved in making don't it happen. Don't look at me. I just uh, turn my green screen and make noise. <laughs> I leave that to you. Uh, there's, there's a lot with uh, with uh, Jason Thompson and, and uh, Caitlin Pietras and their, their whole team. That created, yeah, they're, they're astounding. It is absolutely astonishing, the technology that, that's put to play uh, mm -hmm. for this production. Um, and it just makes my jaw drop. And on the other hand, we are emerging out of two years of everything that we've been doing being digitized and streamed and kind of flattened out, you know? And so I am really excited about the tension of this production in which we have both the flattened out and the, the possibility of technology, but a feeling that that's not, a, that's not all, you know? That's, and in fact, maybe that alone is not good enough. You know, maybe that alone is going to is actually going to is, is going to make us lose the thing that we're the most excited about, which is that direct yeah. connection. Well, I think this is actually an amazing thing to talk about because not only within the context of this piece, but you're right. In the last two years, out of necessity, we have all headed directly to streaming things, mm -hmm. and everything is digitized. I don't think that it was a mistake by any means, and I think that it has brought people to what we do that might not have considered what yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. But as you say, I completely agree with you, there is something visceral about being in front of an acoustic noise that just makes the hairs mm -hmm. on your arm stand up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But 
we will never lose the digital after this. Yeah. I don't ever want us to lose the, lose the live performing. And the idea that we are able to combine the two here yes. to have the best of both worlds and allow people not to choose, yeah. but to experience both at the same time is kind of remarkable. Yeah, that's very much the core of this project, is to be able to allow the audience to say, you know, if the audience really focuses only on you and Alan on stage, they might just throw themselves into just that little world, you know? And some people might only watch the video, right. you know? But I think some, someone early on said, oh, so are the singers backstage or something, you know? Well, honestly, <laughs> I didn't know. I, I kind of thought in the beginning that we were going to be. And when right. I came out, and I was like, oh, we're actually out yeah. front. <laughs> because I'll say, I'll say there's, there's two things about that. Of course, on one hand, then we get to really um, take advantage of your live presence uh, and your voice, you know, live, happening live, uh, and making sure that everyone realizes that it's live. Um, and here, especially with it being unamplified, right. um, r really reveling in all those sounds. Also, the Wagnerian orchestra in Act Three, especially, goes through so many unbelievable peaks and valleys of sounds. Mm. Every every color uh, imaginable yeah. in the orchestra is 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 on display in this act. You know. Yeah. But, but in addition to that, how much power that gives you as the performer to say how cool that they are moving with such precision in this completely abstract space. Uh, meanwhile, we're seeing the result of it, but it makes your, the singer's imaginations, it makes us absolutely just in awe of the, of the imagination that you guys are bringing to this. Well, but you know, the funny thing is, you talk about the imagination of it, whether there's an opulent set or not, we are still in an imaginary world. There is yeah. still a fourth wall. We are still imagining everything around us. Right, right. So in the end, for me as an actor, there is still only the personal relationships on the stage. Yeah. The yeah, yeah, props, yeah. the set, it doesn't make a difference. The storytelling happens with the text and the relationships. Yeah. And so this is so cool because in fact, it allows us to strip away everything that's not important. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, for those of us standing in the middle of this. Yeah. So it's it was a really, a really exciting experience. Yeah. Well, cool. It's kind of humbling as well, I mean, to be able to sort of just have to lean on those relationships and really lean into the text, which I hope yes. that that's something that people take away from it. Yes, me too. Me too. And it's another aspect of it that is was so exciting to watch develop the ability that even in our uh, limited rehearsal time and as much as uh, of our rehearsal time uh, that needed to be you know, about the technology and about staging you guys to make sure everything worked okay. It was so great that nevertheless, every decision was drawn from your characterizations, mm -hmm. you know, and what is actually happening between you and Votan here? How do we want to display that visually? Do we want to uh, sometimes, you know, and we do in this production, sometimes have Votan uh, as, as, you know, an enormous monster holding you in his little hand mm -hmm. because that is actually what the music is, is doing. Right. And certainly what he is doing with Brunhilde at that moment is right. trying to make her as small as possible. Yeah. So to play with that sense of scale, which is hard to achieve in a normal stage, but to do that very easily uh, with us here has been has been very enjoyable. It really has been amazing, and, and the thing that you all are not going to be able to see was during the rehearsal process, seeing how those decisions were made and say, no, actually, hang on one second, we're going to change everything. And two seconds later, the entire landscape, the entire scale has changed. Yeah. You know, I'm two inches tall, or, you know, he is 25 feet tall. And right. it is, it's really astounding what Jason and, and, and his team were able to do. I yeah. just, as you said, I mean, it is astounding and impossible, but also the coolest thing that people can experience. So, I mean. I do think because of that, it makes it so you know, it, some people get scared of Wagner, I think primarily because of the length and the, and the complexity. I mean, it, they, they, these are very dense pieces. 
So I really hope people feel that this is an incredibly inviting experience for them to come into. First of all, it's just one act, you mm -hmm. know? It stands alone as one act, in, in my opinion, um, very well. Um, but, you know, it's 80 minutes, music you already know, uh, for the most part. And, um, and I think that this technology, because it feels closer to uh, media that we mm -hmm. experience on a daily basis now, I, I hope there's something about that that really feels like it draws people in uh, to be able to experience the larger complexity, but not be overwhelmed by it. Well, but that's something that's really interesting as well. I don't think that it's overwhelming. I think that it creates depth, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. depth to the experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that for someone who wants to see something traditional, you know, it's, it's in the middle. It's right in the <laughs> middle. You're, you're watching something that's traditional. And it's also surrounded by extra, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, and so, as you say, for people who have sort of shied away from Wagner thinking, this is not for me. Yeah. Okay, it's, it is a short act in the grand scheme of Wagner. <laughs> uh, come on, Marvel movies are longer. You can do it. Absolutely. And yes. um, the thing that's really cool about it is that for people who really are digitally predisposed, <laughs> That's going to be the name of the garage band. Yeah. Digitally predisposed. <laughs> uh, but if, if that's sort of how they experience art and how they experience their sort of, you know, their rush, mm. then that's there for them. Totally. And also, you know, we we have this huge orchestra to capacity in our pit. Yes. Live. Yes. Which is like, you know, Spinal Tap, turn it to 11. It is oh, the coolest yes. thing ever. I mean, this music was definitely the original heavy metal. Yeah, I mean, cool. you know, it's so... It's so epic and so loud, and it just, ne it never fails to just sweep you along with it. I mean, yes. it's, it's, it's exciting every single time we hear it. And it's been fun to really think about music that, 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 that's that big really does necessitate a visual uh, audacity to try and match it, you know? And, um, and I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, when I was watching uh, the Valkyries riding on their motorcycles <laughs> flying through the air, I thought, okay, that, that, that's, feeling, that's feeling close. I, I will close. say, uh, first of all, you've just trumped my uh, garage band. Visual audacity is Visual. my new garage band. <laughs> We can, so we can have several. That's yeah. going to be the swag is going to say visual audacity, yeah. by the way. Perfect. And so, uh, Detroit Opera visual audacity. <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay, I love that. It's tagline. Tagline for the year. Hashtag yeah. visual audacity. Um, no, but I mean, I think you're right. It is. It is. It needs a punch. It needs something spectacular, and it needs something that's going to grab you. Yeah. And no one's seen anything like this before. Yeah. And we get to have it here and yeah. in this amazing house. I, you know, the juxtaposition of Wagner and then a bare stage and then this video screen. And then you have to admit, our house is rather splendid. And <laughs> so the juxtaposition of all of these things, I mean, it's a feast for the senses. I'm really excited about it. Me too. Can't wait. <clears throat> I, I'm so excited about this cast, actually, I have to say. so. One of the things, aside from being lucky enough to be part of this, uh, I'm also the Associate Artistic Director here, and so with that I am proud and lucky to be able to bring in amazing singers, and I'm really proud not just because we have amazing Wagnerians, but we're leaning to really fabulous American singers. Uh, I am thrilled to share the stage again with Alan Held, who is our Votan, who is a spectacular singer in any genre, but one of the most wonderful moments of my career was getting to sing Brunhilde to Alan Held's Votan, and uh, we are friends, we are close, and so there is 
a chemistry there that is not always apparent. So I'm excited to bring that here. Uh, Wendy Bryn Harmer is our Ziglinda, and she has been building up to this role, and it's her role debut, it's her house debut here, it's Alan's house debut here, and we have another you know, somewhat well-known person on the podium. I'm really excited that Sir Andrew Davis is going to be joining us to open our season, and it's his debut here with us at Detroit Opera. It is, it's, it's a new world for us. I think we have so many possibilities here to expand the definition of what opera is mm -hmm. for this audience. And we don't have to do that only with new work. There are plenty of masterpieces that have not yet seen uh, this stage. And I think this one feels like a great you know, milestone in music history and theater history that I'm so excited to share with this particular audience. I think that that's exactly right. And this particular piece, it's interesting. Uh, when uh, Dr. DeCura was still with us and I was here singing Electra, he told me that one of the things he really wanted to do was Die Valkyrie. And I knew that he wanted to do this. And so when this came up, mm. it, it feels a bit full circle and I'm really excited that it's gonna be gracing this stage and in, in some way giving him what he wanted, mm. although he's not gonna be able to be here to see it, although some days I'm positive he's still here seeing yes. it. <laughs> but it's really exciting to be able to share that. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I, I really think that doing just one act, mm -hmm. um, this is a full meal mm -hmm. in and of itself, act three of Valkyrie. And in addition to that, kind of like what we did with Bohem last season by doing it in, in reverse order, I think that um, the repertoire is there for us to play with and to look for new configurations constantly to present to our audience the most exciting and the most uh, forward-thinking kind of ways possible. And so I think that this follows that mission as well. I think we have a great opportunity in Detroit to connect opera to so many different other strands of culture, mm -hmm. musical, you know, musical cultures um, as well as visual culture. Mm -hmm. And so the notion that we can lean on this aesthetic uh, of a movie like Tron, which I loved as a kid, mm -hmm. and is now celebrating its 40th, <laughs> its 40th anniversary, oh. um, but nevertheless has something, something in it that feels inherently, to me it feels inherently kind of Wagnerian. I know that sounds mm -hmm. crazy, but there's, I, I think that notion that we can draw connections between the rest of the rest of uh, culture in America and uh, culture in Detroit, yeah, and draw those connections to these pieces from 150 years ago is something I'm I'm very excited about. No, I totally think that that is the way to think about it, especially when you're trying to bring people to it that have never seen it before. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, we talk about Wagner with this is such a huge part of my life and talk about it with people who have never been and a lot of my family they're super proud of me but like opera is not their thing so mm -hmm. they say well what is this and it's like well you you do know it you know you, you've seen it all over Bugs Bunny for years and yeah. I mean you talk about that but it's the place that everybody learns their first partner everybody knows Kyoto Wabbit of course they do <laughs> I usually get money for singing that but it's fine um, <laughs> but you know that's the kind of thing but there are all kinds of, of cultural references my daughters are hardcore into Marvel, which of course now I have seen every Marvel movie 4,000 times. And we couldn't wait to see the latest Thor movie. Why? Because Valkyrie was back. And now we can bring that into this. I mean, you talk about these huge mythic things. Look at the way the Marvel movies have done this. If anybody's seen the latest Thor movie, mm. I mean, the mix of sort of pop culture and, and the, the mythic grandeur of that story, mm -hmm. 
it's just so cool because it's not it's not sort of the the standard mythology you know it, it's not that aesthetic mm. it's an aesthetic mm. that mixes various paint colors in the palette <laughs> and that's exactly what we're doing here yeah. and that's what we should be doing yeah. because when we have so much to draw on why shouldn't we add everything yeah absolutely and i think part of that is realizing that you know the music's the same you know we didn't change the music there's no synthesizer uh in this orchestra uh, <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so so it's uh it, it's it, it doesn't sound like tron uh, it sounds exactly like wagner and we have you know the great cast that we have uh, mm -hmm. to bring it to life and, and, and the great conductor to, to lead it. Yeah. So the musical world hasn't changed, but the visual world, um, anyway, it changes each and every time you do it. That's right. Anyway, so uh, I, as the director, really want to take advantage of that and open up the whole world of this music into all of these other uh, potential uh, inspirations and the, the notion that the audience gets to kind of piece it together for themselves and maybe hear something in this music uh, based on the visuals uh, that I can't anticipate. That gets me very excited. But that's the game, right? Nobody knows what to expect when they walk in. And even if you expect to feel a certain way, you can't be sure that's how you'll feel when you come out. And you yeah. can't be sure that something is not going to touch you in a way you weren't expecting. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the beauty of live art. Yeah. So Absolutely. I think that people are going to walk out of this with so much more than they were expecting. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Christine. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today for a glimpse behind the scenes of The Valkyries. We hope to see you at the Detroit Opera House September 17th, 18th, and 20th for this one-of-a-kind production. To purchase tickets to The Valkyries or to find more information, visit our website at DetroitOpera.org. You can also connect with us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again for joining us today, and we'll see you at the opera.